Hello and welcome back to After the Whistle Sports Podcast. I'm again joined by Jonathan and we are officially at the, in my opinion, inflection or one of the inflection points of the season. Um, there's been a lot of playoff talk this week and I think it's a little bit early for this, but one of the main reasons was all of the big matchups that went down this weekend. Like probably the best, no, actually no, for sure the best weekend of college football to date. A lot of undefeated teams lost. A lot of teams um, are on fraud watch. A lot of teams are on playoff watch. So I want to spend as much time as possible recapping all the craziness that went down. And I feel like there's no better place to start than Alabama dropping one on the road to Tennessee. And, And just one of the reasons why college football is so great is because a team like Tennessee can go through everything they went through in the past five, six years, the Jeremy Pruitt stuff, the McDonald's bags loaded with cash, the NCAA sanctions, and then beat the Death Star, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, Incredible win. I mean, Hendon Hooker is him. Uh, (laughs) Alabama couldn't stop a nosebleed. Um, And I, I thought Alabama's offense played really, really well, too. Uh, it came down to a last-second kick that, like, barely made it over the uprights. Like, what did you see from, from this game, and what does this mean for Tennessee in the grand scope of college football? So I think people are kind of looking at this too one-sided because – I think there are a couple ways you can look at this. First of all, this game was pretty even. I think Alabama outgained Tennessee by like a total of two yards. Um, Tennessee took advantage of field position early. It was just like, it, it was pretty simple, simply this. Like they were even in yards. Alabama was a missed kick away from winning the game. Tennessee made their kick to win the game. Like I think those two teams were pretty even. If the game is played on a neutral field in a couple of weeks, I think Alabama's a touchdown favorite again, which p- people won't want to say, but I kind of agree with it. I thought Alabama, for the most part, played about as undisciplined as they could have. They were fooled by many of Tennessee's uh, play, play design, specifically in the past game, and Jalen Hyatt was torching them. And to add on, Alabama pretty much gave Tennessee a full field and a half worth of penalty yardage. So, like, that's a ton of field position advantages that Tennessee got without really having to do anything. So, I think Tennessee certainly earned the the win. They certainly played up to Alabama's standard and what you need to do to beat them. But I think the way they played and the way Alabama played for Tennessee to have what people want to call national championship success is far from attainable. Yeah. To me, when I look at this game, like a few things really stand out from both sides. Um, Bryce Young and Hendon Hooker. It's really interesting to see the development of the quarterback position over these even last few years. I remember Deshaun Watson at Clemson just a few years ago was like the I mean, he was like the truth at quarterback for college. Like college quarterbacks aren't supposed to be this good. Yeah. Ever since Deshaun Watson and the Trevor Lawrence and the and Tua, even like everyone expects that, like, oh, this is what college quarterbacks are. Like they they throw for five hundred yards a game. Like that's what they do. And to me, like just to take a step back and realize how many quarterbacks in college football really look like they're ready for the next level. That's it, incredible to me. And this game really amplified all of that. I mean, Hendon Hooker, 21 for 30, 385 yards, five touchdowns. Not to mention the fact that he was going against maybe the best pass rush in the country with an O-line that's talented. But, I mean, Tennessee's O-line is, is nothing crazy. I mean, he was under constant pressure. He was making plays. He was, like, pushing the ball down the field. He saved a bunch of drives with his legs on the ground. And then Bryce Young, like, you cannot phase Bryce Young. He was phenomenal. Like, that was honestly, if if Alabama won this game, people would be talking about Bryce Young as, like, one of the best quarterback performances on the road 
like we've seen the entire Ever, season. Yeah. I, he was like masterful, masterful. And I texted you this after the game and I said, listen, like, I don't understand how Bryce Young can't be the number one quarterback in the draft. Like, like Stroud is Stroud is really, really good. But that's always a point I've had. Like, I've been Bryce Young as quarterback one in this class since as long as I can remember, like the start going back to like the start of last year. But like there's a whole separate discussion, I think, with why Stroud wouldn't be number one over him. But like, I mean, if you watch Bryce, like he throws a super good deep ball. His decision making is inc- is incredible. Like very very rare to see a quarterback like be able to read the field as well as he does. Um, he can get out of the pocket. He gets out of pr- pressure pretty well, and he's just a playmaker. Like people will knock him for his size, and he has struggled with a little bit of injuries this this year, but it's not something I would be overly concerned about. Yeah, like another thing that I noticed and really focused in on. So I did rewatch this game as well. So I got to like really focus on Bryce Young and Hennon Hooker. That was kind of my goal. And I think in college, you see a few things. You think like when you look at quarterbacks who are dominating, they always seem to make the game slow. But I really think that there are two ways that they do that. One of the ways is just schematic dominance, right? This is a team that, again, college teams aren't all built the same. Most of the teams that these top quarterback quarterbacks will face are running stuff with worse athletes and um, they just have much better coaching. And so the game looks really slow because they have one or two reads that they know they can hit that are going to be open. Right. I felt like that that's why Hendon Hooker was able to slow the game down. He's a great quarterback, but schematically they're doing a lot of things to open up receivers. Yeah. Uh, And they just do so many things like, Tennessee does a really good, nice job of building an offense that is very high reward and very low risk. Like they don't do much over the middle of the field, which is where a lot of your mistakes will happen. And even despite not using the middle of the field, they very effortlessly get guys open deep. Yeah. And so that's what I saw from head and hooker. And that's kind of the similar things that I've seen the past few seasons with CJ Stroud. And there's nothing wrong with that because in the NFL, you will most likely go to a team that is going to be good at scheming people open. That's like the NFL is constantly evolving. Offenses are constantly changing. And that's a big part of it. And so if you're an NFL team, you want guys who can do that. But there's also a different type of quarterback to slow the game down. And those are just the quarterbacks that have something like they just have the ability to make plays that aren't there. Like Bryce Young is not hitting his first read a lot of the times. Like they're taking away. I mean, Cameron Latu, a lot of the times on my rewatch was the guy that I think they're like trying to get the mismatch. And most like in the second half, like after a huge uh, big first half, Latu was being completely taken out of the game and Bryce Young had to just figure it out. And he's able to do that. And he's done that every single game I've seen him play, which is incredible. And like, so I lump Bryce Young with the Trevor Lawrence's, um, I mean, I, I don't even know who else was this dominant at quarterback in college, like in recent years. Right? Like, like Trevor, Deshaun Watson? In terms of just like pure playmaking, I'm not sure anyone comes to mind because like, I mean, you like think back to the Oklahoma quarterbacks, but those offenses were also like more towards like what Tennessee's doing where they were just schemed so well. Um, like Kyler Murray, maybe, maybe to an extent, but like that's like the only one that really – I can think of. But Kyler and a lot of the big like playoff games, like Kyler did a lot of that against big 12 defenses, which is also something you have to take into account. Yeah. Hendon's doing this against SEC competition every week. Yeah. And, and Bryce Young, like, I don't know what else he has to do to like solidify himself as the guy in college football. Cause I think he is like Bryce or Hendon Bryce. Oh Hendon's yeah. Very, very good. But there was a difference if you watched the game, if you took the score away, there's a difference between Bryce Young and Hendon Hooker. And I, Bryce Young's a better quarterback. Very easily. And so I, I want to move on from the quarterbacks. I want to stay on this game. Also, Hooker, real, also, real quick before we move on, yeah. how do NFL scouts watch this and be like, oh, yeah, like I want Will Levis over one of these guys? Like The Will Levis, is, he's – 
I don't understand personally, I don't understand any of them of the Will Levis. Um he like he to me, he falls in the category of like the Malik Willis's of okay, the first few good quarterbacks are gone, like you're going to take a flyer on someone with physical traits. But the people who think that Malik Willis is or <laughs> I keep calling him Malik Willis, people who think that Will Levis is like the Justin Herbert, Josh Allen mold. You're not gonna get that. Like, I, I would still take. Out. I would still take Anthony Richardson over him. I would take Anthony. I think Anthony Richardson has shown more production at this point. Yeah, I agree. But I want to talk a little bit about Jameer Gibbs, um, who is outstanding yet again. Like, I mean, he has to be. I don't know. This year has got a lot of really good running backs, but he has to be up there at least in the top three. Sim Corum and Bijan. Okay, yeah. Um, Chase Brown. Dang. he's good, but like, I don't like. I'm t- I'm talking like NFL like traits. Like, I think I think I would rather have those three guys. Yeah, I agree. But, anyways, in terms of macro implications from this game. Tennessee controls their own destiny still. Um, it's looking like a matchup with Georgia will be really big, but if they keep it close, it won't be a make or break for the playoff. Uh, and then Alabama's, they're in the West. So Alabama just has to beat Ole Miss, and they're also fine. So setting up to be quite a experience for the SEC – later in this season because if Tennessee, Alabama, and Georgia, if they don't lose on uh, like the games, I guess if they don't lose the two games, then you can make a claim that all three should get into the playoff at the end of the year. And I know this stuff will work itself out, but yeah, that's I'm all I sure. can think about. I'm not sure how much this, this game is actually going to mean in the grand scheme of things. I still think Alabama's fine in the West and like, like the only way this would this would mean this game would mean anything is if Georgia ended up winning the East over Bama because like yeah if Tennessee win wins the East and Bama wins the rematch like no question both teams are in if Georgia wins the East undefeated and Bama beats them in the championship no question both teams are in like the only way like I think this game ends up meaning something is if like. Georgia, like, trying to think. No, I got it. If Georgia beats Tennessee, yeah, and then Alabama beats Georgia, and you have three one-loss teams, like, and I, I still think that Georgia, Bama are probably the teams that would, that would get in out of the three because I don't think all, all three. No, you, you won't put. Bama would be Bama would automatically get in because they would be the SEC they're the, champ. They're the champ, which by the way, I think would be really stupid because if we got rid of these dumb divisions, Bama wouldn't be in the SEC championship. The divisions are so dumb. Please like, get that, rid of the divisions. That, that's the whole thing about this is if we didn't have divisions in in these conferences, which by the way, every conference I think is able to get rid of divisions now. So yeah. so like the SEC kept these divisions by choice. If we, if the SEC didn't have divisions, which is probably going to happen in the next couple of years, and especially will happen when Texas and OU come over, if the SEC didn't have divisions, Bama wouldn't be getting to the conference championship in the first place because Georgia and Tennessee would be the t- got in. If even if if Georgia beat Tennessee, Tennessee is the head to head over Bama. They're in, no questions asked. Yeah, and I, I mean, I I think that if the scenario came up that. Like Tennessee is really put in a bad spot here, honestly, because they they just beat Alabama, but like Al- if Alabama still controls Tennessee's destiny, basically. Yeah, and, and like this is the reason that like we this is one of the reasons that you would argue that twelve teams is a good thing because like I think that all three of these teams, Bama, Georgia, and Tennessee, are better than than Clemson is, but like. Like Clemson's rest of the season schedule is so easy that it's not going to matter. Yeah. Like they're going to they're going to run the table. And like people were starting to say again that Notre Dame was going to beat them. I was in South Bend on, on Saturday. Notre Dame is awful. 
They lost to a Stanford team that hadn't beaten a Power 5 team since week two of last year. Yeah, Notre Dame is very brutal. But we're going to we'll, we'll talk about some college college football playoff stuff uh when we go to our rankings portion. Uh let's move on. Um the other undefeated matchup, Penn State, Michigan. We were both at that game. The score is a lot closer than what the game actually was. Um that game could have definitely been like 58 to 3 or something like that. Yeah, and like I can get into that when we discuss our rankings, but that was a just complete mauling. And like you text, you texted me at halftime while we were in the stadium, and you're like, "I cannot believe this game is close right right now." Like Penn State led at one point during the second half. That was a real thing. And Michigan, I think, ended up outgaining them like, what was it, five fifty to like two twenty or something like that. Um, it was because I know that like they ran for four hundred yards. <laughs> yeah. It was it was a lot. Where do I find the team stats? Um, yeah, five sixty three to two sixty. It was fairly close, off by like seventy total yards. But if you look at first downs, Michigan had twenty eight. Penn State had one first down in the first half. <laughs> I know, <laughs> and was down two. Yeah, that was absurd. And Michigan, by the way, Michigan also had more penalties for more yards and an interception. Yeah. And 41 minutes of time of possession. Dude, like, <laughs> I don't, like, I couldn't really watch the Penn State sideline from where I was sitting because I was on, the like, the far left side opposite the students section. But, like, James Franklin definitely had, like, like a confused look on his face the entire game. That guy had no idea what he was doing. This is coming off a of bye week. The, How do yeah, you sit there off a bye week and look that unprepared for the opponent you're going to face? And, like, I thought, like, Penn State's run defense would be good enough to, like, kind of keep them in this game. But, like, it, it never did. Like, all like all everyone is saying, and I was kind of guilty of this, too, was that, like, oh, like, P.J. Mustafer, like, this really good defensive line. And they had been really good this, this year. But, like, Michigan was moving them in just every way possible. I mean, like, this is the most classic James Franklin. I'm sorry. <laughs> That, that this was is so, so classic. He builds every year. He builds a team that is supposed to compete with Ohio State. Loads up the skill positions. Loads up the cornerbacks. But like they're also on the field against Wisconsin or Michigan, and just they're pulled. also like kind of built better to like compete with Ohio State than they are Michigan. But who cares? They won't beat Ohio State. They they're might probably not. Michigan. Like. like like, let's be real. Like, Penn State beat them in 2016, a game they probably shouldn't have won. They were outgained by 100 yards in that game. They should have been, they should actually should have beat them in 2017. They should have won that in the shoe. 2018, they were close. 2019, they were kind of close. And then 2020 and 2021, like, 2021, they were kind of close. Like, they were in the game, but never really felt like they were going to win it. And, like... Like honestly, like we were gonna do, like we're gonna do fraud watch, in, like in the show, like Penn State should be, like is on fraud watch. Yeah, like, I want, I want to talk about that. Now. They might not be on watch. They might just be frauds. Like period. Franklin has been and continued to <laughs> will continue to be on fraud watch. And I know we're we're both big. We talk a lot about talent recruiting, all that stuff. It's definitely a very big component of college football. <laughs> Which, by um, the way, Penn State and Michigan have, like, equal talent. That's what I was way. getting to. Michigan's currently at 14. Penn State is at 15. And I believe Penn State actually has a higher average. So is this is this a problem with the recruiting ranking? Penn State has better players. Is, is every player from the past three or four Penn State recruiting classes just a miss on the ranking system? Like, they just miss ranking them? I think, like, one of the problems is that, like, like Brent, like he has, yeah. Like Brent Pry was good as a coordinator for for him, but like on offense, like he has yet to hire like a real coordinator since like Joe Moorhead left. I'm just waiting for you to say what I want to say. What do you want to say? James Franklin is is not a good head coach. Oh no, he's bad, and I cannot believe he was even considered for the USC job like last year. I mean, his agent is out here running circles around every athletic department in the country. But like, and, and he, listen to this. He never gets hired. Listen to this. You might have missed this, but during halftime of the football game, so Michigan Stadium has one tunnel for both. Yeah, visitors. no, I think I saw what you're about to say. 
they have both visitors and home team. They go through the tunnel to go to their locker rooms. So apparently at halftime, Penn State was talking a lot of trash, um, which was funny because they were getting destroyed on the field. And there was a little argument, and then Penn State players started throwing peanut butter and jelly sandwiches at the Michigan players. And and they asked Franklin that in the postgame, and he was like, oh, yeah, they should – make a new tunnel for visitors so like this stuff won't happen that was or the response like, not be like immature and like or just not throw food during the football play douches like what like i mean like this is not not the only stadium in the country that has one tunnel like i know it's a hundred year old stadium like are you gonna <laughs> build the james franklin tunnel at michigan stadium <laughs> yeah <laughs> they'll name it after him but like right. i want to talk a little bit about the game <laughs> obviously michigan's rushing attack was crazy donovan edwards uh 173 yards on 16 carries blake corm 166 yards on, on 28 carries jj 60 yards on seven carries through the air jj didn't really need to do much because they were he made a couple running. impressive throws he did make and that most of them came in the first half too yeah um he, but he really like, he didn't have in the in the, se- in the second half like Michigan was just breaking off these like fifty yard runs before he even had a chance to throw the ball like yeah but I mean like to me I like to see this because I don't know and I've I've been trying to do a little bit of like offhand research on just like the way offenses work because I think it's really interesting and. Like we see all these crazy offenses playing basketball and grass, throwing the ball all around the yard. And then we see like stuff like this, just like complete beat down. Like to me, a, a blow up in this way can completely like derail an opponent. Like this is a type of win that can like, that changes how a program is going to recruit defensive players. Like yeah, this, want- this is a complete failure. If they lost the whiteout game this week to Minnesota, like it would be like unbearable stuff. Like, and this happened in 2016 too, which is what's so funny is that like this has happened before. Like in 2016, James Franklin walked in with a very good team, loaded skill position players, walked into the big house and lost 41 to 16. Mm-hmm. Does that seem pretty familiar to what this game was? Yeah, except like, they ended up winning every game the rest of their season until the Rose Bowl. Yeah, but like that, this is still the way they lost this game. And so like, it, it's a give or take, right? I don't think it's going to spiral to the extent it did last year. But I also think that part of the reason is that like the conference is w- worse as a whole than it was last year. Like, Ohio State, Michigan, obviously both better at the top, but as a whole, conference not as good. I, I think they still probably win like nine games. Like I, I'd be pretty shocked if they didn't lose to somebody else besides Ohio State. But I'm not quite sure who that's going to be. But like Penn State always once a year has this like game against this inferior opponent that they just like cannot move the ball for whatever reason and they lose. I guess so, I don't. Because I really do think Penn State has good pieces on this team. They're talented. They're just like, I don't I don't think they're gonna lose to Minnesota. Now, I doubt it. Could they lose to some of the other non-Ohio State Big East opponents? Maybe. But I really think that like I don't know, like if you look at their schedule, and this is where it gets really interesting in the big time, because of course these stupid divisions are so lopsided that like Penn State could lose to Ohio State to be expected. But if Ohio State beats Michigan, you got a three-way tie. I don't even know how that would like work. Like wait, no, 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 no. It wouldn't be a three-way tie. No, no, no. That's incorrect. It would be if never mind. I I, I tricked myself. If Penn State if Penn State beat Ohio State and Ohio State beat Michigan, it would be a three-way tie. Yeah, no, I, I forgot that Penn State's going to lose to Ohio State in this scenario. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm just saying that like if Penn State were to beat Ohio State, yeah. then which is unlikely, but you never know. Yeah, but listen to this. Listen to this rest of the schedule. So yeah, Minnesota at home in the in the whiteout game. I think they're going to win. win. 
They should win that. Ohio State, that's a loss. Okay. At Indiana, they should win. When? Uh, Maryland at home, they should win. You know, I really do like Maryland. I that, think that could be tough. That could be tougher than someone. Penn State admit. plays Maryland really hard. They didn't they beat them like fifty nine to three a couple years ago. Yeah, they they play them tough. Like I don't think Frank like Frank Franklin does a nice job against Maryland. The DMV he's, built, he's built to beat because Maryland's like yeah. Ohio State light. So. No, it's the D, it's the DMV kids. They got to show off for them. Exactly. They have a ton of recruits there. I think they want to win that match. Rutgers. Automatic win, and then Michigan stay at home. Automatic win. So who knows, man? Tuck coming back from <laughs> Wisconsin. It's officially hate week, by the way. So, well, oh and yeah, weeks. oh and yeah. Yes, just just to uh, keep the weekly theme going, I have changed my pick to win the Big Ten West yet again for yeah. for it's the fifth straight week. <laughs> nice, nice. But just to fit, like follow up of Penn State here, there's a very good chance to go ten and two. I have it hard. I find it really hard to believe that they aren't going to slip up once other than Ohio State. I don't think they will. Like, who do they lose to? Does 10 and 2 get them into a New Year's Six game? Because, like, yes, yes, it does. But with like, two losses the- to it with, with two losses to a playoff team and a Rose Bowl team, dude. You know what's going to happen? They're going to go 10 and 2, they're going to get into the stupid, uh, I think it's the Cotton Bowl this year. They're going to yeah. get to the stupid co- Cotton Bowl. Play like play the Group of Five team that's like that like probably shouldn't be ranked but is. And like they're going to beat him, and Goat Franklin's going to add another New Year's Six win to his resume. And he's also going to add another ten million dollars to his contract. Hey, ten ten million dollars, one for every win win this season. I don't know, man. He's the anti he's the anti Jimbo Fisher. Jimbo Fisher eight and two no matter what. James Franklin ten and or eight and four no matter what. James Franklin ten and two no matter what. It happens all the same. <laughs> okay, let's continue. Um, TCU, Oklahoma State. Um, I'll admit I'm I was wrong on this. I thought Oklahoma State was going to win this game, but TCU is good. It was a very boring matchup. From what I've heard, I was watching the other game, but yeah, I was not paying attention to no one watched this game whatsoever. Like, I was in the car on the way from Ann Arbor to South Bend watching the Tennessee game. Same, no one watched this game, but <laughs> I heard it was like pretty solid actually. Went to double OT, yeah, Max Duggan was doing his thing. Um, obviously, I think Oklahoma State we can set aside any hope for a playoff berth, but they're still right in it for a, a Big 12 championship. They have Texas this, this week, and they're a touchdown dog at home. So, like, continue, continuing with the narrative there. And then T, from the TCU perspective, um, I mean, this is what you need to do. Like, survive in advance. Every year there's a Big 12 team that's sitting there at the sixth spot going into rivalry week, and you're like, holy cow, like, can this team actually make it into the playoff? No, they can't. They haven't done it. But like, here's the thing. The Big 12 is really hard to make the playoff because it's one, a nine regular season conference league. So they play nine games. SEC and ACC don't. Um, They don't have the program of like an Ohio State or Michigan that the Big Ten does. And everyone in the conference is at least competitive. Not all, not all of them are good. In fact, I'd say probably six of them could get the title of like good teams. Um, but the bottom four are usually all competitive, with usually the exception of Kansas, which of course is not a thing this year. But like TCU has gotten through like the bulk of their schedule, so they're they're sitting at seven and zero, right? They already beat Oklahoma State. They already beat OU, which would say what you want. They're on paper, the second most talented team in the conference. Um, they have to play Texas still. They have to play Baylor, I believe, still, and then they get Kansas State this week. But Kansas State's at home, so if you get through Kansas State, you're sitting there. You have Texas left. Um, who probably you at, at that point, if Texas beats OK State, you're going to play them twice. Yeah, but but we're like we're sitting here and. TCU has already gotten through like the meat of Big Twelve play, so like, yeah. Sorry, you froze a little bit. Um, well, I and then, and then avenging it, like there you are. Uh, 
Can you hear me now? Yep, we got you back. Okay. So just, yeah, to real quick recap that. Meet of the schedule. If, if, if TCU can maybe, like, if they slip up once and, like, avenge their loss in the Big 12 championship game, like, maybe they have a case. Yeah. And I don't know. Like, I think, t- like, ultimately TCU probably won't make the playoff. Doubt it. But, like, the, they might keep winning games. Like, they're playing well. It's not like they're, like, winning fluky matchups. Um, and, like, it's tough because the Big 12 is – like, this is why you need to expand the playoff to it because – Let's say in the very, very low chance that TCU goes undefeated through their season is the Big 12 champ. There's a very good chance that they TCU don't even over Clemson if they go undefeated. I mean that that'd be it. What about what about the Big Ten champ and three SEC teams? Big t- Count me in, dude. Like <laughs> honestly, at this point, if you just feel missing that, you just feel missing that counting at stats. Point, at this point, if we got a playoff of Bama, Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, you sold me. You sold me. No, no. Bama, Georgia, Tennessee, Ohio State. I'd be perfectly fine with that too. If Michigan was an overall Ohio State, perfectly fine with that. Like, but like when when you feel for them, some of these other teams that don't get in because I I'm a fan of two I'm a fan of two super conferences. Because Yeah, because... but but don't you think the Big Ten would be pissed if the SEC gets three teams in before the Big Ten's got two? Well, I mean, it kind of just would work out that way because I'm assuming your third team would be Tennessee, right? And yeah, like, and they Tennessee in this situation beat the SEC champ. So, like, well, no, it, it wouldn't. No, no, no. Here's um, here's the situation I'm talking about. Okay, okay. you got to listen to the situation. Okay, Alabama wins out, go to the SEC championship. Twelve and one SEC champ. They have one loss to a top five ranked Tennessee. Okay, now the next part is that Georgia beats Tennessee. At home, so Tennessee has a road loss, but it's to a very good Georgia team. It's fine. And so Tennessee has one loss. They win the rest of their games. Georgia wins the rest of the games. So the SEC championship is Georgia, Alabama, Tennessee sitting there. They they can't eleven and one because they lost a game on the road to a playoff team. Okay, Alabama then beats Georgia in the SEC championship. Alabama's the number one overall team. Georgia is the number two overall team. And Tennessee, who has a close road loss to the number two overall team and a win over the number one overall team, also gets in. See, like, th- this is, the th- this is like, the thing. Like, because... Are you telling me Tennessee wouldn't get in in that situation? Would the Big Ten be pissed? Yes. But do they have a right to be pissed? Probably not, because you know what? Like, what do you mean they don't get pissed? How many times did a Big Ten runner-up who didn't play in the in, in the Big Ten championship? No, but like here, here's here's the thing. Like here's the thing. Like let's let's say Michigan loses to Ohio State. They're at eleven and one. Tennessee's eleven and one. Right? You got to choose between one of the two. Like it's pretty simple. Like Tennessee is a win over the SEC champ. Michigan doesn't have a win over the Big Ten champ. Like unfortunately, like Tennessee would have better resume at that point. Despite, that, that despite can't possibly just, be accepted. They despite can't. what, like, by the way, like this all is like the only way you are getting three SEC teams in is if Clemson loses a game, which is not happening. No, are you, would you would you put a Clemson team over a one loss Tennessee with a close road loss to the number two team and a win over the SEC champion? You can't possibly leave them out. Personally, yes, like I would. You can't. Oh. You cannot leave them out. Tennessee would have the best win and the best loss. I don't know. I think you I think you might be frozen again. Hold up, hold up, try to talk. Okay, I think you might have lost Jonathan. We'll wait for him to get back, but I'll move on to another game I want to talk about. USC um one on the road to Utah. And ended up losing 42-43 um, in a game that USC really felt like the better team. Oh, Jonathan's back. Yeah, dude, my Wi-Fi went out again. I got, I got to just start like start on my hotspot, and I'll be fine. Yeah, wait, but, I'm going to try to remove this like third Jonathan. 
That's weird. Um, there are currently three Jonathans on, the, on my Zoom. So, okay. So just to go back, because we'll get into USC Utah in a sec. But oh, yeah. um, just, just to go back, like, I personally would put the three SEC teams in over an undefeated Clemson. Because, like, I, because I've watched all three teams and I've watched Clemson, and it's pretty clear to me that those three teams are better than Clemson. But unfortunately, like, we have never seen a situation where the Power Five – um, where a power five undefeated champ has missed the playoff. And I don't think we'll ever see that in a four team for- format. Unless, unless of course, like all, un- all five power five champs are undefeated, which then you just have to choose the worst one. Yeah. But what if, what if one of the conferences that we count as power five is the ACC? It still technically counts as power five. Like, technically, like, what about uh, Pac twelve? What what if UCLA goes undefeated? Huh? What happens then? You see, then you'd have to decide between UCL. Does Georgia not make it then? <laughs> this is because, like, it's absurd. Because, like, when when it comes down to it, like Georgia would be a touchdown favorite on a neutral field versus both UCLA and Clemson, and they'd probably be way more versus. Is UCLA, but Vegas doesn't determine who gets into the college football playoffs. Well, they should random a bunch of random athletic directors who honestly have zero clue what they're doing ultimately decide who gets in, who gets out. Vegas Vegas should determine the playoff. We should just have we should just have more teams in the playoff. Well, that's what's happening, dude. I cannot wait. It's there. There will be a day in our lifetime where our our semifinal is. Four, or semifinals are four SEC teams. We like, need well, no, 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 I disagree because if the, if I think what was proposed is that like maybe there would be like some teams like to like host games like home games for the first rounds. Yeah, and are you telling me if an SEC team goes up north, they wouldn't just like lose? Like, how is Alabama going to throw in the snow? Like straight up. I, I think how are they going to do it? I, I think that how is Tennessee going to go to the big house? And play in the I snow think that, in January. I think the scenario that you're putting out where Alabama has to play a road game in the first round of the college football playoff is a little far-fetched. But how about this? This is this is better. What about but like Ole I think like what you're arguing is like how is Ole, how is Ole Miss gonna go to like Penn State and win? They like, won't. They just won't. How, they won't be able how to is Tennessee how is Tennessee gonna go to Michigan and win? Like they won't do it. Even Clemson. How is Clemson going to go to a Big Ten team in the snow and, like, try to win that game? All these players are from the South. I don't think it's, like, impossible – as impossible as you think to throw in the snow. I like, think it's impossible. I think, I think it's harder. Benefit, I think that benefits I think Michigan because they're the only team that's going to run the ball, like, 60 times a game. I actually think it's harder to throw in heavy wind than it is to, like, throw in the snow. No, there's, there'll be heavy wind. It, it, oh yeah been in a midwest winter <laughs> there's gonna be heavy wind tennessee comes up here oh yeah we'll make sure there's heavy wind that day watch harbaugh's <laughs> thinking the long game okay he's preparing his program for these home games in negative 10 degree weather where he just runs the ball t- like 80 times a game that's it that's all you do <laughs> i mean like he already does that and wins 11 games a year in the big 10 he already so, like, does that <laughs> Oh my god, we gotta continue. We gotta continue a little bit quicker too. So we got USC Utah. Okay. Honestly, like I thought Utah was just gonna lose this game. Uh, I thought I don't USC know how they won. I don't even know. I don't know how Utah won this game. Honestly, like I said, I was at the uh, slugfest that was Notre Dame Stanford, so I didn't get to see any of this game. But what I will say is USC was, I think, the better team for a lot of this game and probably deserved to win it. But you know. One loss in this economy, like you're, they're probably out. So it's absurd, man. But USC's on the right track. Like, let's USC's on the right track. And like yeah. again, so Utah their defense proving, will get better. Yeah, Utah is proving why we don't move them down in our rankings. We don't move them up. They just stay. Like it's just Utah. Like they're, they're it's gonna Utah. Be it's Utah. Like the like Utah is is Utah like the like. Jimbo Fisher, James Franklin, nine and three. Like, is that what they what, are? What is? They are. All of these are just Jimbo Fishers in different like fonts, <laughs> in different this conferences. Is like, this is like the whole like every NFL QB is like Kirk Cousins. Yeah, exactly. 
Like who's who's the Jimbo Fisher in the ACC? Besides oh, Jimbo Fisher, oh, oh, uh, Dave Clawson, easily. Wake Forest, dude. They find they just win eight. Like, they win eight games in that conference. They they outscore teams. They can't beat Clemson in the line of scrimmage. Like they yeah. slip up a couple a couple times because their mm-hmm. offensive line and defensive line aren't super strong. Like that that is Dave Clawson, easy slam dunk. Jimbo Fisher, you see. Jimbo Fisher in the Big Twelve is Jimbo Fisher the Big Twelve. Oh, Dave Aranda. Uh, huh? Dave Aranda. No, I disagree. You disagree? Chris Kleiman. Ooh, it could be Chris Kleiman. I like that one. Yeah. Dude, Chris Kleiman, seven and five, eight and four every year. Anyways, let's keep going. We're, we're chugging through this. There's one more game I wanted to talk about. Another, actually, two more games Illinois, Minnesota. Illinois, Brett Bielamud, them to death. Big Ten West champs. The Big Ten West Dude. champs. And you know what? Running the football is back on the menu. Okay, no more basketball and grass. Running the ball is back on the menu. It is. Running running the ball is cool. Okay. It is cool. I don't, like it. Don't, don't let Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Herbert, all these NFL guys, like, don't let Stroud or Bryce Young, like, show you, like, anything else. Especially like, when football is running when- the ball. Especially when you could run the ball for 415 yards against top 10 rushing teams in the country. Just run the ball. Running is so low risk in college football. It, it really is. It is. That's true. Just run the ball. Like, we need more triple option teams. Vanderbilt should be a triple option team. Well, that is, that is bad. We can't just choose bad teams and call and force them to do the triple option. James Franklin should be running the triple option. He should be running the triple option. <laughs> he should be. Instead of being like Ohio State light, he should just be like Navy large. <laughs> just, just run the ball with yeah. all his athletes. No, that's exactly it. Georgia Tech never should have went away from the option. That killed the program. It worked. Yeah. Although they're, although they're winning games now once that – now that they fired Jeff Collins. Uh, last game I want to talk about, Syracuse beating NC State, who's been on Fraud Watch literally since we NC State on. has been on Fraud Watch since, like, June. <laughs> but, you know, you know what, Sean Tucker, Syracuse, they just won. They're undefeated right now. They play Clemson this is week. This so. like, is this game this week against Clemson, like, the most, like, low-key matchup of undefeateds, like, deep into a season that, like, we've ever seen? It might, well, Clemson is... Uh, favored by 13 and a half as they should be but i don't know like syracuse to me is is such a weird team what if syracuse goes undefeated <laughs> that would really test oh my <laughs> god if tennessee gets left out for syracuse if, if syracuse did got in over michigan or tennessee that would be the biggest crime ever i would respect it i would respect it how would you feel as a Michigan fan if if eleven and one Michigan got got was the number five seed and Syracuse got in at thirteen and zero and as the number four seed? I would feel like how how would you feel knowing that Michigan would be a two touchdown favorite on a neutral field against those guys? I mean, it is what it is. Like you play to win the game. If you don't lose the games, then like you can be national champion. Super conferences deal with it. Um, Solved solve all these issues. By the way, this guy Garrett Schrader. The quarterback for Syracuse, it, I I don't know how like what his numbers reflect, but like I I watch those highlights and he throws the football in such a weird way. Um, yeah, I feel like every happening. Syracuse quarterback like pushes the football down the field. They don't actually like throw it, and what it does is it forces the cornerbacks of the opposing teams like the ball's in the air for so long that like every play is either like a jump ball win or like a pass interference. Like there's no in between. Which, I mean, it's a great strategy because, like, it, the rules are in place like that. But, like, this guy, is, he threw two touchdowns, two interceptions for 210 yards. Like, and, and NC State only put up nine points off those two interceptions. Not good. Not good NC at all. State, Devin Leary is also out for the year for NC State. Devin Leary is out for the year. but he was, he was kind of a fraud anyway. Yeah. All right, let's go into our rankings real quick. Um, right. Okay. You, you commented. You commented that we were going to debate about this. We, so. we were because I really need to make some changes in my rankings, and I kind of like what I did. So, all right, number one, the Tennessee Volunteers. They have the best win in college football. 
They are undefeated. They play in the best conference. Um, yeah. Like the difference between – and I texted you this. The difference between your and my rankings is your rankings from the start of the season have been purely resume-based. And I th- and mine are eventually at that point. As the season goes along, I factor in resume more and more. But I'm kind of still at the point where like I'm half resume, half like, oh, this team's better, so like they should be ranked ahead. Yeah, and I mean I, both ways are fine. But like I don't know how you can argue that Tennessee like shouldn't be number one. Mine's mine's like a little bit of like a personal power rating. Like 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 yeah, this team this team would beat this team. So like I gotta put them ahead. Yeah, so like what else do you have? Or I'll I'll go through actually I'll go through the rest of my rankings. Go through your like top five and then I'll go through my top yeah, five. Yeah, I've got Ohio State at number two. Um I was low-key thinking about putting Michigan in this spot because like if I am gonna judge based on resume, like Michigan has a better resume than Ohio State. Ohio State hasn't played a Power five team with a winning record, right? Yeah, but Ohio State's just like been super dominant because, like, good. I'm also yeah. a really big proponent of like you play to win the games and like you can only play who you can play. So I use the resume almost as like a like a tiebreaker. Like I have all these teams, undefeated teams. I mean, besides TCU and Ole Miss, I have a little bit lower, but I use the resume as mainly a tiebreaker based on like kind of where I think the team's at. So. I kept Ohio State at two. Georgia's at three. Um, like, they're not doing anything wrong. They're just really, really good. They hopefully fix their issues that they had against Mizzou and Kent State. Yep. I've got Michigan at four. Um, again, I've, I think I've had them at four the entire season. So, they're just dominating. Clemson at five. And I really I really thought about putting UCLA over Clemson. But I, I don't want to get too far my UCLA. But. Clemson's been good. They, they've won the games they're supposed to win. You play to win the games. So, yeah. All right. So, my top five is one, Ohio State. Two, Michigan. And, like, just, like, watching the Michigan game, like, I was just thinking to myself, I'm like, if Penn State can't stop this rushing attack, who can? Like, maybe Georgia? Like, I, I think Michigan's offense is – is pretty dominant, even though like people, the, the way they play offense is, isn't going to be like eye popping to most people. So Michigan two, three Georgia. So again, like you said, they kind of fixed their issues, not doing really anything wrong. I don't think they should be number one, like the AP poll has them, but top three is fair. Four Tennessee, five Alabama. Yeah, um, I'm fine with that. Like. I just don't think Clemson's as good as any of those teams. Yeah, but I, I'm giving like, – eventually, like, like, eventually them being undefeated is going to matter. But, like, I think I could argue that, like, a one-loss, like, Georgia team with a loss to Bama would have a better resume than an undefeated Clemson team does. Yeah, but, like, you can't fault Clemson too much for who they play. Because it's not like they're playing close games against these teams. The Florida State game was kind of close. I mean, yeah, like late. They were they were outgained. They were outgained pretty severely. Uh, but like, Clemson was winning like most of that game. They and won the. They won the. They they won that game because they won the middle eight. Yeah. I don't know. I, I Clemson will figure itself out. Like I'm. I think they might drop a game this year. To uh, who? I don't know where it will. Come. Like Florida State was kind of their last chance. Notre Dame. In what world? I'm I'm not really on that. I, I really think Notre Dame might be able to beat them. Dude, I watched that Notre Dame team play. I'm just not sure how they're going to be able to move the ball against Clemson. Did they beat UNC? You and I, like, you and I could go 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 get our campers from over the summer and like and like move the ball against UNC. I don't know, man. Like, I think Notre Dame Notre Dame has enough talent. To compete with Clemson, that's not the issue. The issue is, is Marcus Freeman coaching against Tabo Sweeney. Dude, there's just something in my head that's telling me how funny would it be if the season that Notre Dame beats Clemson is the season where Notre Dame's like literally not gonna make a bowl game. How funny would that be if Notre Dame beats Clemson and doesn't make a bowl? Notre Dame will make a bowl, right? They're three and three, aren't they? 
Yeah, but they lost two games against like the supposed like automatic wins. Fair, but I mean I don't know who else is on their schedule besides Clemson and USC. Navy. I'm, this is the year Navy beats Notre Dame. I'm, I'm sure they have some cupcakes on there. Like Navy's on there. Um, hold on, I'm pulling up their schedule. Right. <laughs> Probably Louisville. They definitely play Louisville this year. Notre Dame always plays Louisville. They they like make sure to always get Louisville. Oh, they play UNLV this week. So, mm, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, two 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 weeks. Notre Dame goes and wins at the Carrier Dome. Wow, Syracuse is not beating Notre Dame. Dude, and, they play, think... and, they, and they play ball. And they play Boston College. They're going to make a bowl. I think Notre Dame beats Clemson. There's just something about so, it telling me. So like, so like even if they lose that Syracuse game, like they have UNLV. Navy and Boston College, like they should get to a bowl. Plus, you're going to be Clemson, so chalk yeah. them up to a bowl. Chalk, chalk them up to, to a bowl. Yeah. Put them in the pinstripe right bowl. <laughs> All right, I'm going to continue with six. I got UCLA undefeated. Quality win. Their win against Utah just looked better and better each week. Um, and I honestly just wanted to have them a bunch out above Alabama. And. <laughs> Listen, I people I say like, okay, it's really harsh that I'm putting Alabama with one loss on the road to my number one overall team at seven. But you have to remember that, like, I thought about moving Alabama down after the last few weeks because they struggled mightily against both Texas teams. And Texas A&M is not a good football team this year. And they arguably should have lost that game. I needed to see something. I needed to see answers from Alabama. I didn't get them. And so, for now, I have to put them below a lot of these teams because, like, at this level in the state, like in the rankings, like you can maybe afford one bad week, but you can't afford like three bad weeks. So I have them at seven. I got Oregon at eight. They're quietly coming back to kind of where they're supposed to be. Um, that that beat down to Georgia is still f- like fresh in everyone's mind, but yeah, you still are this week. They do have UCLA. It's going to be an awesome game. We got uh, TCU at nine, undefeated, but, again, still in the Big 12, so I'm putting below some of the other undefeated teams. And we got Ole Miss at 10. Um, They're going to get their chance to prove themselves in a few weeks as well. All right, so I have TCU at seven – or, sorry, Clemson at six, I should start with. Uh, Undefeated, have looked pretty good. Keep them at six. They didn't move up and up or down for me this week because I didn't wasn't too thrilled with their performance against Florida State. Seven TCU, eight I have Texas, who I still think is really good. It was a sandwich spot against Iowa State. I think they beat Oklahoma State this week. Nine Oregon and ten UCLA. Yeah, I like it. Like I, I think you could argue that I still have UCLA a little low, but you know it's not going to matter if they win this week. So. Yeah, I still do think you have UCLA too low. I have Ole Miss at twelve, by the way. I I'll get, I know I'd get killed by a bunch of people for that one, but they they just don't look the part. Like yeah, they're they undefeated gave, in the SEC. They gave up. Who is their best SEC win right now? Kentucky. Kentucky, yeah. They gave up six point eight yards per play to Auburn. That might be Brian Harson's best accomplishment in his career, is gaining six point eight yards per play against Ole Miss. I mean, I feel like you also have to put give some credit to Ole Miss because, like, we saw them be a top ten team last year, and like they haven't done anything to be like, oh, this team can't do what they did. I don't know. Like, have you seen their final five games? Yeah, like they haven't been great. They're gonna, they're gonna, no, not their like previous five games. Like uh, their final five games of the season. Yeah, don't they have like? They're gonna. They are going to finish nine and three or worse. I'm very sure of that. And it starts with losing Dallas to you this week. Ooh, that'll be a big one then. Uh, I've got – let's go on to my rest of my rankings. we got Texas at 11. Texas is still back, folks. Just a little bit delayed. They're back. Uh, <laughs> and then they're going to be back again this week when they beat Oklahoma State. Okay. Got Wake Forest at 12, Mickey Mouse offense. Um, on our weekly mention. We can mention that they shouldn't be on this list. By the way, talking about Mickey Mouse offenses, I was watching the NFL um, the other night, and I was watching um, the Eagles play. And, like, they run all this crazy RPO stuff, 
but their blockers are blocking like literally six to seven yards down the field. So, like, and I'm like, how is this allowed? What like a bunch of these teams do now in college. How is this allowed? I saw I saw a clip from what you're talking about. They had a, I think the throw on the Devonte Smith touchdown. Like, no, it was the AJ Brown going across the formation. Okay. I didn't see that. I didn't see that one, but the, on the the one on the Devonte Smith touchdown, they like <laughs> held the ball there. All their offensive linemen got like two yards of push down the field, and then parts like just threw it to Devontae Smith. I'm like, that is not legal. Like, it's unfair. It is so unfair. Can, that is against the rules of football. And that's like what Wake Forest does. And they I, they like don't get called for legal land downfield. Uh, Utah at 13. Utah, that's that's their spot. I, was, I might just keep them at 13 for the rest of the year. Yeah, just win or lose. They just stay at 13. Yeah. Uh, yeah, USC at 14. Um, I honestly think they're like the same level as Utah. But I need to put Utah ahead of USC, and then Oklahoma State at fifteen. All right, I have USC at eleven, Ole Miss at twelve, Wake Forest, and their Mickey Mouse offense at thirteen, uh, Utah at fourteen, and then Kansas State at fifteen. Kansas State's still undefeated in conference play. Yep, and then I, I guess I'll just continue. I got Penn State at sixteen. Um, thought about dropping them lower, but again, like I want to look into the holistic. Prop up Michigan, baby. Yeah, yeah I know. I need to, also, I need to prop up Michigan. But all my rankings are just okay. Who might Michigan play, and how can I like make them look better? <laughs> I'm like kind of a bandwagon Michigan fan now. So. Yes, yes. I got Kansas. I got Penn State at 16, Kansas State at 17, Illinois at 18, Syracuse at 19, Kentucky 20. I okay. love this range of 17 through 20. It's just we're fair, we're fairly similar here because I have Penn State at 16, Oklahoma State at 17, okay. Illinois at 18, Syracuse 19, and Mississippi State at 20. Mm. Yeah, interesting. Like all the we it's all the same teams at this point in the rankings. I mean, at, at 21, I got Maryland. Um, 22, I got Mississippi State, 23, I got Purdue, 24, I have Tulane, and 25, I have UCF. And Maryland, like they still only have a loss to Michigan and they lost to Purdue, didn't they? Maryland, yeah. Mickey uh, Mouse. That Purdue is a Mickey Mouse team. He, like Purdue is interesting because like I really don't think they're that bad. I just that, think that, like that game on November twelfth in Champaign is going to decide the West. Yeah, no, it could. But, Nobody else is winning it. Right, I, I mean, I, I, the Big Ten West, like anything could happen. Like, here's the thing: like, I know Illinois has to play Michigan, but like, I have a feeling that like Purdue is gonna lose to like at least one of Wisconsin or Iowa, because like it, it's Purdue. Like, yeah, I could see that. And like Illinois already beat all those teams. I could see that. I, I wish Maryland didn't lose to Purdue. Like, why did that need to happen? Dude, we'd be ta- dude, you'd be talking about top 10 Maryland if they didn't lose. Why did this need to happen? They lost 31-29, and Tua's injured like every game. He might, did I see he might be, like, out for the year now? No, he's, I think he's going to be back. He's a game-time okay. decision. That's good. Listen, they have Northwestern, Wisconsin, Penn State, Ohio State Rutgers. This could get really bad for them really quick. All right. Uh, so, t- I have Kentucky 21 21- uh, UCF, my group of five darling, 22. Uh, LSU, 23. Purdue, 24. UNC, 25. Yeah. LSU, by the way, now uh, five and two with wins over uh, with a win over Mississippi State and a road win at Florida. Okay. And about to, and about to have a top 10 win this week against Ole Miss. Mm, we'll have to wait for that. We'll have to, we'll have to see what happens with that Thank one. Thank you, Ole Miss. LSU, it, we got to – I still can't get over the way they lost that first game. They're figuring because it out. They're figuring if, it if out. They, if they didn't lose that game, like the narrative around LSU, LSU is so different. They'd be, what, 6-1? and one? Like, Yeah. We, dude, we'd be talking about them as like a top-10 team maybe. But they got, they got beat down. Yeah, I mean, their only losses to your number one team in the country. But – Like the Florida State one. But it was it was it was pretty bad. Which like Florida State wasn't really lost. They should have won that game. So six and one. We'll call it, we'll call LSU six and one. Yep. 
Okay. Those are our rankings for the week. I think it's time for us to wrap up this episode. We'll try to get maybe another one done for some best bets this week. Um, those should be fun. Like last week we did a pretty poor job on all, on all of our picks. <laughs> we said a lock of the year was Alabama minus seven and a half. Like record scratch. That was not the lock of the year. Um, <laughs> but anyways, yeah, we'll try We'll try to get something out a little bit, a little bit later this week. Um, Thanks for listening again and go blue.